Friends, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to see all the ways that we can do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Right after we started the cleanup from Hurricane Irma, I boarded a plane for the Czech Republic. I knew that I would be there for seven days, and I knew what hotel we were staying in, and that was the sum total of what I knew. I had done zero research on ground transportation, which, if you are not familiar with public transportation in the Czech Republic, is a total nightmare, especially when you don't speak, much less read the language. I had some generally vague ideas of some places that I might want to see, but beyond that, the whole point really was to just get there and let it be whatever it was going to be, which is totally fine for a vacation, a vacation that has a definitive start and a definitive end. But my friends, we are not on vacation. I don't know anybody anywhere in the world who would describe our current situation as a vacation. And if they do, it's certainly not a vacation that any of the rest of us want to be on. The difference between our current situation and my vacation are that we don't know exactly how long it's going to take to get there, wherever it is that we're going. We don't know where that is. And even if we did know, we don't actually have a clue as to what we're going to do when we get there. And I realize that that can be super unsettling for some of us. And even the thrill seekers among us have had occasion to pause. But for as much as we don't know, there are some things that we do know. We do know that God's people have found themselves in times like these before. We do know that God has brought them out of it, carried them through it, and led them to it. Do you remember God's people Israel? Do you remember how they were slaves in Egypt? There are no benefits to slavery. There is no upside. When you are a slave, nothing is really your own, not your stuff, not your body, not even your time. None of us look back on the years of slavery in this country with fond memories. Because we were created for freedom. And freedom is the opposite of slavery. Could you think back to your life six weeks ago? I thought about my own life this week, and I realized that very little of it back then belonged to me. There was always somewhere that I had to be, something I had to do, someone that needed my undivided attention. At the very least, I was a slave to a very intense schedule. And then it all came to a crashing halt. 
All of a sudden, there was nowhere that I had to be and nothing that I had to do, at least nothing that was worth risking my life for. In fact, everything got really weird, really fast. All of the pressures and, and expectations that had become so routine all of a sudden got replaced with what I sometimes feel is just this overwhelming flood of grace. Isn't it amazing to be talking about grace in the middle of this? People understood when I would call a doctor's office to cancel an appointment. Teachers didn't freak out when my kids didn't get everything done in their agenda. Even driving became easier. Nobody was really rushing anywhere. People started looking out for each other all over the world. We have been seeing story after story of people doing extraordinary things for total strangers. It was as if somehow we had all been set free to live differently. And what happened? Most of us freaked out. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but let's be honest here. Most of us have no idea what to think about what is happening all around us. What are we doing all of the sudden? We're hanging out in driveways with, with neighbors that we've had for years, but that we've never actually talked to. What are we doing with our million different options for worship on Sunday mornings? What are we doing peering into one another's homes, maybe that we've never been into in person, and seeing them through the lens of Zoom, something that many of us didn't even know existed a month ago? We have been set free from our schedules and our routines, but now we find ourselves out in the wilderness, which is exactly where the Israelites found themselves when they were finally set free. Which I remind you, brothers and sisters, also came with a plague. Lots of them. So they get themselves out there in the wilderness, and, and what did they do? Well, we know for sure that some of them complained. And what did they complain about? Food. They didn't like it. They wanted something else. And I have to say that after being a short order cook for my own children these last few weeks, I have a newfound appreciation for Moses' extraordinary patience with some totally ungrateful Israelites. But what's interesting about this time is that God was calling the people out and calling them to something. He disrupted the only life that most of them had ever known. And he sets out to bring them into something new. But in between that old and new, there's this transitional phase. And many of them didn't like it because it was unknown and it was uncomfortable. After three weeks of macaroni and cheese for lunch every single day, I tried to introduce tuna fish to my kids earlier this week. And my friends, they were willing to starve before leaving their comfort food. The Israelites were no different. 
they actually lamented leaving Egypt because at least in Egypt, though it was bad, at least they knew that it was going to be bad. And they could count on it being bad. But they didn't know what this was. Does that sound familiar? We don't really know what this is, but we know for sure that we are not where we were in early March. And maybe you've reached the point where, where you have gotten all nostalgic for the good old days. You know, the good old days, like somewhere around March 10th, where you had a jam-packed schedule and millions of things to do and not enough time to do all of them. And you miss that because now here you are five, six weeks into this and you're not even sure what to do with yourself anymore. I could go to the Czech Republic for seven days without a plan, but, but seven months? Could I do that? So there they are. They're out in the wilderness seemingly without a plan, but with some vague idea of a destination and a definitive leader in Moses course even that will come to an end the only thing that they know for sure is that wherever they are headed is someplace that they've never been and it's not going to be anything like where they have come from well here we are we are in it now we have no idea how long this is going to last schools might open in may but disneyland is closed until june restaurants remain closed, but boat ramps are open. One week, we're not wearing masks. The next week, we're shunning those who don't wear them. New York is closed. Idaho is open. Florida has no idea what we're doing. I'm not even sure who the earthly leader is in this whole ordeal. Governors say it's the president. The president says it's the governors. I personally think it might be Dr. Fauci, but that's a little bit above my pay grade. And yet, while we don't know much about the whole world, here again, there are some things that we do know. We do know that life as we have known it here in this special place called Kirkwood is never going to be what it once was. There is no way that 500 or so of us connected to Kirkwood can go through this experience and not be changed by it. Each of us is going to come out of this event with new and stronger relationships, with a faith that is formed by a refiner's fire, with a renewed sense of belonging and purpose. We're not going to be who we once were. We're going to be better. And there's something else that we know. We don't know who is responsible for leading the world, but we do know who is responsible for leading Kirkwood. Your pastor is right here. I'm in this with you. Pastor Sung is right here. He's in it with you. Your elders are right here. And they are in it with you. And we need your prayers. We need your prayers each and every single day. We need your prayers because our job 
as the leaders of God's people is to constantly be pursuing the heart of God so that we can lead God's people to those places that God has prepared for all of us. And my friends, that is not easy. When the world is out there telling you to look out for number one, to do what's best for you, I think about how many times Moses could have just walked away. And then what it was like for Joshua to take over from Moses and and to walk across that finish line. Imagine how our brand new elders must feel. God did not abandon this church during these challenging days. Quite to the contrary, God gifted us with an extraordinary group of faithful elders who are exceptional servant leaders with a creative and a committed staff and and with an always semi-decent preacher. We are here for the duration, whatever that duration looks like. And that's something that all of us are going to have to wrestle with. We don't know what the duration is, and we don't know what our new destination looks like. What we do know is that we are headed towards it, and at some point, we are going to have to enter into it. And that's where we meet up with Joshua and God's people, the Israelites, today. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim, and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So the Israelites have been out of Egypt around 40 years at this point. In fact, you could even make the case that migrant life had become their new normal. You might start getting that new normal feeling, if we go another month or so in quarantine life. But my friends, we are just in a waiting room. God doesn't leave us in wilderness places. He didn't leave Joshua. He didn't leave Jesus. And he is not going to leave us out here in the wilderness. And so after three days, a day that was probably looking like many of the days that were before it, the people were told that they were going to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Don't miss this, brothers and sisters. They'd been camping for three days on the swollen riverbanks of the Jordan. Forty years of roaming around, and now they find themselves staring down what seems to be an insurmountable obstacle of this enormous river this close to the Promised Land. I want you to really think about that. These people have been through so much. Generations of slavery, plagues, wilderness, and here they are at the threshold 
to a new way of being, a whole new life. And there's this one last ginormous obstacle. See, my friends, I remind you that this is a marathon. It's not going to be a sprint. And after all that they have been through, they are being told to trust God, to lead them, because none of them have ever seen this or been to this new land before. Now, Joshua didn't have a team of engineers to orchestrate the crossing of this river. So what he did was that he sent out the priests as the first visual representation of God's presence with the people. Because you see, this was not an engineering problem to be addressed. This was a spiritual one. And that's what we've got on our hands right now. Eventually, somebody's going to figure out the coronavirus. But we, we, Kirkwood, we're going to have to figure out who we're going to be as God's people on the other side of this. And all I can tell you from this exact moment in time is that we're not going to be the people that we were before. No, we're going to be stronger, and we're going to be better, and I pray that we're going to be even more faithful. And just like I can't see what the church will be like on the other side of this, the people could not see what was ahead of them, so they were told to follow by thousand yards. There was a spiritual reason and a practical reason for this. The spiritual reason was to respect the holy nature of the Ark of the Covenant. But the practical one was so that every single Israelite, every single one, and there were thousands, every single one that had enough faith to walk through the Jordan River could always and would be always able to see God right in front of them. My friends, we don't need to see exactly where we're going, but what we do need is to be able to see God. And that means that we are going to have to wait on him to lead the way, not running ahead of him, not trying to forge our own path. Church, that is what is awesome and exciting about these days. Because these days when we are not running around, we don't have endless worldly distractions, when there aren't millions of other things that we can be doing, these days give us a chance to firmly set our eyes on God and to follow him into this new land. We don't know exactly what that looks like. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. So get ready. Get ready, brothers and sisters. Prepare yourselves because this is not a vacation. This is far more spectacular because the Lord, the Lord our God, is getting ready to do amazing things among us. To God be the glory.
Amen.